falling pieces. Dear friend, the good news is Johnny did make it safely back home. We all celebrated that. Unfortunately, he didn't get back in time to watch Maddie and I receive our college degrees when we graduated from the University of New Mexico in May of 2009. Johnny has always lamented the fact he couldn't be there and said he felt guilty missing it. But Maddie and I understood. There's nothing he could do about it. And I'm happy to report that when he returned a couple of weeks later, the very first thing we did was play catch. When we met him in the terminal, he tossed me an old baseball we had played with many times before. After showering Ashley and the kids with hugs and kisses, that is. I imagine Johnny planned and played the scene out in his head the entire way home. It was another great moment, and a truly great day. For all of us. Everyone was thrilled to have Johnny back. Even Ashley seemed thankful and relieved. I'll give her that much. I do think she knew how much it meant to the kids. It was wonderful for them to have their father back home, and I suspect Ashley didn't mind having the extra help and support as well. But what about their relationship, you might ask? Well, as always, that part of the story remained quite interesting. It quickly became all too clear to me that Ashley wasn't going to be the first to tell Johnny what she had been up to while he was away. Her family certainly wasn't going to either. And the rest of us didn't know how to tell him. In truth, we were all probably too scared to. I know Mom and Dad held out hope that she would eventually do the right thing herself. Tell Johnny the truth and then try to make things right. But if I know one thing about Ashley, after all these years, it's that doing the right thing is just not her way. She had it all planned and played out before Johnny ever stepped foot on that plane. When he got back, they were going to move up to Fairfield, New Mexico, where Ashley had a sister that could help them get both settled and plugged in. Her sister would help her get a job, and Johnny could stay in the Army Reserves while also finding additional work in their new hometown. They could escape all their troubles and past transgressions in Hamilton County and get a fresh start elsewhere. Or so Ashley thought. Life, as we know, is obviously never that simple. The one thing I did like about Johnny and the kids moving to Fairfield is that it was only 80 to 90 miles east of Albuquerque. In between Klein's Corners and Santa Rosa, it was just a hop, skip, and a jump on Interstate 40. Come to think of it, Fairfield was also right off of Route 66, and I had actually spent a night there while I was on the tour I mentioned the year before. I must admit, I wasn't very impressed by what I saw. Fairfield seemed like a place lacking opportunity, but full of potential danger. Nothing fair about it. It was one of those places that felt uncomfortable the minute you turned onto Main Street. Old, disheveled buildings and broken windows abound. People walking aimlessly with their heads down, as if broken themselves. And when someone did look at you, it was more like they looked through you. Or like you were asking for trouble by just being there in the first place. Like Jefferson and Livingston, it was a small town. But it didn't carry itself with a similar sense of pride or welcome its visitors with warmth or hospitality. Fairfield felt cold. And I didn't like it. But again, I did like that Johnny and the kids were close by. It was the closest I had lived to my big brother in years, and it allowed Maddie and I to visit all of them a little bit more during our final year in Albuquerque. Sometimes Johnny and the kids would hop on I-40 and come to see us. Those were always fun, special trips. 
Maddie and I love showing them around the big city, and I always looked forward to telling Johnny more stories about the time we had spent there. I wanted him to know how hard I had worked in college and how I was always trying to make him proud. I wanted to share every exciting detail about the things I had done and accomplished as both a student and an actor. I wanted to catch up with my big brother. To get to know Johnny again. This time as adults. I hoped to hear more about his experiences, or at least how he was doing. I hoped he knew how proud I was of him and how much I still loved and admired him. I hoped we could somehow relate to each other again. Even though we had been worlds apart, doing very different things, I hoped we could still be there for each other in the big and small moments to come. I didn't really know where to start. But I kept hoping. And then... Baseball. Of course, it would be baseball. That's what helped us bridge the silent gap. Later that summer, Maddie and I invited everyone to come visit us and watch Albuquerque's minor league baseball team, the Isotopes, play against their divisional rival, the Oklahoma City Redhawks. Everyone came. Johnny, the kids, mom, dad, and even Mr. and Mrs. Wozniak. It was a big family affair, and the first time I had seen Johnny completely at ease since returning from Iraq. I suspect having all his favorite people with him in one place brought him both comfort and joy. I could tell being around baseball again did too. I sat by Johnny during the game, and we spent a lot of time catching up. Watching baseball together set the stage for us to replay old memories and to draw new comparisons between our favorite sport and life. Johnny shared a moniker he had learned in the army with me. Adapt and overcome. That's what it's all about, Eli, he would tell me. Take hitting, for example. You step up to the plate. You struggle with the pitches being thrown your way. You strike out. You have two choices. Either you let yourself believe the pitcher is just too good, or you decide to dig in and find a way to hit against him the next time up. Adapt and overcome. I repeated it back to him. Adapt and overcome. I like that, Johnny. I can see how it applies to so many things in life. Man, I'm going to have to use that in my acting. And the next time Maddie asks me to do something I don't want to (laughs) do. We both laughed. At one point in the conversation, Cara and Lacey overheard us. They heard and saw the excitement in their dad's voice when he was talking about his old playing days. Daddy, I didn't know you played that much baseball when you were a kid. Did you play for a team like this? Cara would ask. No, baby girl, not like this. I stopped playing in high school, but I always dreamed of playing for a team like this. Your daddy was going to be the next Mark McGuire, Johnny would exclaim. Do it, daddy. Uh, Play baseball again. Play for a team like this, shouted Lacey. (laughs) You're so sweet, honey. But daddy's too old to play. I had to jump in. Whoa, whoa, what was all that adapt and overcome talk about? Too old? You're not that old, bro. And you're still in pretty good shape because of the army. No offense, but you're actually in the best shape I've seen since high school. I bet you could still play at a high level. You just need to adapt and overcome, right? Johnny and I were both smiling. He probably didn't realize I was going to use his own moniker on him so quickly. Okay, Eli, I see what you did there. And you might be right. 
I could probably still ball with the best of them. But how would I even try out for a triple-A team like this? Johnny asked. Off the top of my head, no idea, I answered. But give me a couple of days to figure it out, and you'll be trying out for them in no time. I do know the isotopes are the triple-A team that are affiliated with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Maddie and I might move there someday. You guys could join us. How crazy would that be, bro? Secretly, I began hoping for this new pipe dream to become a reality. Maddie and I had been seriously discussing moving to Los Angeles after spending another year in Albuquerque. A couple of close friends from college had recently moved there, and they were excited to help us get both settled and plugged in if we did in fact make L.A. our new hometown. Now I was dreaming for more than just myself and Maddie. What if Johnny could somehow still make it to the big leagues, I wondered. I knew it was next to impossible, of course, but I've never been one to shy away from big dreams. Or big announcements. I stood up. I cleared my throat. <clears throat> I dove right in. I have some big news. Maddie and I have some big news. I turned to Maddie. I uh, recently asked this amazing, beautiful angel here to spend her life with me. Mr. Waz already knows and already gave this joker here his blessing. <laughs> and, thank God, Maddie said yes too. We're getting married. The whole family cheered. The crowd around us cheered. Mom and Dad gave me the biggest hug. Mom was crying. Dad had tears in his eyes. The kids jumped up into Maddie's arms, screaming with excitement. Mr. and Mrs. Wozniak came over and wrapped their arms around them. And then, Johnny came over. He had tears in his eyes, too. Wow, my uh, little brother's getting married. And now I have a little sister, too. Uh, I love you guys. Congratulations. And with that, we hugged each other, and then I told him he would be my best man. Johnny had always been my best man. The rest of that year was all about wedding plans and, conversely, falling pieces. Maddie and I meticulously planned the perfect outdoor wedding in the most peacefully perfect place. We would be getting married on a pecan orchard with a little stream running through it and a weeping willow as our backdrop. Weeping willows have always been Maddie's favorite. We were fortunate that another friend of ours from college grew up on this pecan orchard. It was near Bent, New Mexico, which was roughly only about an hour's drive from where we grew up in Jefferson. It's a gorgeous part of the state with breathtaking views and neat places to visit nearby like Riodoso. It felt like a home away from home, in a sense, and Maddie and I were in heaven thinking about our closest family and friends joining us there on our special day. The pieces for us were falling right into place. I wish I could say the same for Johnny. And Ashley. I've honestly always wanted her to be okay too, to be happy and at peace. I've never wished her any ill will, honestly, though I've harbored frustration, anger, and even an unwanted dose of resentment towards her at times, I've never wanted her to be hurt or broken or to fail in any way. And though I've often questioned whether her and Johnny had ever been right for each other, I truly never wanted them to fail. It would have been better for Kara, Lacey, and Caleb if they could have somehow figured it all out. That would have been better for everyone. 
As Maddie and I's wedding got closer and closer, Johnny and Ashley's marriage got worse and worse. The pieces for them were falling apart. At first, Johnny didn't share much about what was going on. He would later tell me he didn't want to stress me out or pull focus from all the exciting wedding plans. I know this sounds horrible, but I may have felt the same way at the time. It's not that I didn't want to be there for my brother. I just don't know what I could have done to help. And I didn't know how bad it really was until it was too late. Ashley was spinning out of control. She became an unrelenting storm that damaged everything in her path. And everyone. Even now, the girls have stories that would break your heart. Kara and Lacey remember a lot of it. They remember the empty vodka bottles, the holes in the wall, the yelling, and the screaming. They remember their mom never being there for them when they needed her the most. They remember the nasty, hateful things she said and did when she was around. Worst of all, Kara and Lacey remember the way their mom made them feel. Alone. Unloved. Worthless. They remember. And they'll probably never forget. That's what happens when you're surrounded by addiction and abuse. You may remember my father had seen and experienced the same thing when he was a child. Now, just two generations later, his granddaughters were going through the same thing. Two little angels going through hell on earth. As if from an earthquake's impact, the walls of Johnny and Ashley's relationship eventually crumbled. Two nights before the wedding, I received a frantic call from Johnny's cell phone. Uncle Eli? It's Lacey. Mommy and Daddy are fighting again. This time, it's really bad. And we're really scared. I could hear the terror in her voice. Lacey, it's going to be okay, sweetie. I need you to stay calm right now. And I need to know where your brother and sister are. They're in my room, she replied. I locked them in there so they'd be safe. You're so smart, Lacey. And so brave, I told her. Where are your mom and dad right now? And where are you? She told me Johnny and Ashley were fighting in the bathroom. She was hiding in the linen closet at the end of the hallway. Okay, sweetie, listen to me. I want you to go into your bedroom with Kara and Caleb. Lock the door and don't come out. I'm going to stay on the phone with you until this is all over, okay? I was trying to stay calm myself. Okay, Uncle Eli. Thank you. The fact that Lacey was thanking me it broke my heart. She deserved so much better than this. They all did. I stayed on the phone with Lacey and asked her if she could hold the phone out so I could hear what was going on. Part of me didn't want to know. The greater part of me knew I had no choice. I had to make sure the kids themselves weren't in danger. I could hear Johnny and Ashley shouting at each other. I could tell Ashley was drunk. And Johnny was irate. Those two notes would never be in harmony. They threw curse words at each other like stones, insults, accusations, and threats. At one point, I caught one of the stones in their shouting match. 
Johnny said something that took me right back to the bathroom scene at Andre's house all those years before. It hit me like a ton of bricks and nearly knocked me over where I stood. You don't deserve me, Ashley. You're not good enough. You were right. You never were good enough. You've done so many horrible things. I hate you. And I should finally leave you. I heard a loud banging sound, then a loud scream from Johnny, then a door slam, then... When the police arrived, they found Johnny bloodied and bruised and, I suspect, broken again. His face was spewing blood and Lacey was sitting with him, holding a wet towel to his cheekbone. Kara was holding on to Caleb in the living room. All three kids were crying. Johnny was silent. And Ashley was nowhere to be found. Two days later, they all showed up for the wedding. Yes, Ashley came too. Even though I'm pretty sure Johnny knew their marriage was over by that point, he still wanted her to be a part of Maddie and I's special day. I did not. I'm not sure why Johnny brought her. Did he think going to a wedding and witnessing love and happiness on full display might awake a part of Ashley that had been asleep for far too long? Did he hope she might be inspired to finally give love a real chance? Or did Johnny simply not have the strength to fight another battle against her? I don't know. But she came, nonetheless. Ashley came, exchanged hollow pleasantries with Maddie and I both, and then was nowhere to be found again. We literally didn't see her the rest of that day or night. But our wedding day was so much more than that, of course. Cara and Lacey were our flower girls. Ashley had put so much makeup on them, one might have thought they were competing in a pageant or something. Maddie and her bridesmaids would take care of it, though, and the girls would have the time of their life under their watchful eye that entire day. They looked and felt like angels by the end of it. My Maddie has always been able to do that for people. For my part, I arranged a big game of catch in the morning with all of my groomsmen, including Johnny. And Nick and DJ were there, too, of course. Nate as well and a couple of my closest college friends. As a gift, I gave them each a baseball hat of their favorite team and shared a bit of Johnny and I's story. I told them of our special connection through this simple act, of our bond as brothers, of our gospel of love. I then offered this thought. You're all a part of our gospel now. You're my brothers too. You're family. And for that, I sincerely thank you. Johnny came over and gave me a big hug. Again, he had tears in his eyes. It was another great moment. For brotherhood. For love. People came from all over to be a part of Maddie and I's special day. Some traveled down from Albuquerque. Others from Jefferson. Several more from around the state. And some even from around the country. I can't exactly put into words what it's like to have so many people you love and respect all gathered in one place for one reason. You and the love of your life. What that really means is so very difficult to fully express. But what I can tell you 
is it's like a song. Like the most beautiful song you've ever heard. When Maddie walked down the aisle that night, she was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. She would always be the most beautiful blessing in my life. And because of her, I will always cherish every single moment of our most beautiful, special day. We danced the night away. We celebrated. We shared the love. And our guests would share the love right back. This would include Maddie's maid of honor giving a heartwarming and hilarious speech. It would include Johnny's best man speech as well. Little Caleb was next to Johnny, still donning his full three-piece suit, but completely knocked out and completely unaware of the crowd and world around him. It provided the perfect Kodak moment. And Johnny provided the perfect words to a brother on his wedding day. My little bro, I love you more than you could ever imagine, and I'm so proud of the man you have become. You've grown up so fast, and it seems like just yesterday that we were out there throwing catch together every day. Huh. How I miss those days. I remember looking forward to doing those simple little things with you every single day. We were inseparable, and I knew in everything I did, I just wanted you by my side. And now, on your very special day, I'm proud to be at your side. You know, I'm not the writer in the family. I usually leave that up to Mom and Eli here. But I tried to write a little something. A poem, I guess you could say. So here it goes. A brother like you. I'm so thankful I have a brother like you. One to count on. One I know will always be there. One with open arms if I need a hug, and an open mind if I need someone to understand. I'm so blessed to have a brother like you. One I can be myself around. You know my best qualities, but also my greatest faults. And you love me just the same. I'm so proud to have a brother like you. Not because of what you've done or accomplished, but more importantly, because of who you are. I'm so fortunate I have a brother like you. To talk and laugh with. To reminisce with. To make new memories with. I can't tell you how much it means to have a brother like you. You mean the world to me. I love you. And I thank you for being a brother like you. Johnny went on to thank Maddie too. To tell her what a wonderful, loving person she was and how she was a match made in heaven for me. He then reminded her how thankful and proud he was to officially call her a sister. He would always be there for us both, he promised. He wished us the best and told us again that he loved us. It wasn't until the end of the speech that I realized we still hadn't seen Ashley since that morning. We heard later from several friends and family members that at some point she had gotten drunk and passed out in Johnny's car. Dear friend, that is the lasting image I have of Ashley Underwood. I never saw her in person again.